In Dating the Encyclopedia, we're looking at what has dated in the New Age Encyclopedia that was published in 1983. Volume 1 is our focus right now, A to ANA, and this is part 2, because we couldn't cover everything in the volume uh, in episode 1. So in this episode, we're looking at influences, crime, fatties, investing, and crazy people. And a reminder that we're not going to read every single part of the encyclopedia. That's reading the encyclopedia. We're only going to be looking at the things that might have dated factually, socially, politically, and of course, we get to know the encyclopedia just a little bit better. The first entry that has piqued my interest for this episode is Abraham Mann. And Abraham Mann is a wandering beggar of Elizabethan times who was either demented or shammed lunacy in order to excite pity. Now, we, we can identify some outdated language there, so therefore that has dated in the encyclopedia. But what really intrigues me is that these people had to fake being demented or lunatics to incite pity. When I just exist and no one gives me money, times really have changed. We can move on to absentee landlord. And it says here that an absentee landlord is somebody who doesn't or who draws income from an estate which he does not live or work. And therefore, they are termed an absentee landlord. His, well, these days, we don't have to always have a male landlord. Females or, or people who don't identify as either could be landlords as well. And I would have thought that somebody who doesn't live or work on their property is what you just call a landlord. In fact, I would be kind of asking questions if a landlord was essentially subletting a bedroom in my house or maybe if they were living in the, in the roof cavity. What 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 else do you call? I guess in America, or you have apartment buildings where a landlord lives in one of the rooms, or one of the houses, or one of the apartments, I suppose. But um, I really find absentee landlord to just be called a landlord, and it really is only an issue amongst people who maybe haven't made good decisions in their lives, or or made poor decisions, or are now at a certain point in their life where they go, oh, maybe I could have done things a little bit better, and then they think socialism is the answer. We know that's not the answer, but we never really see people complain about landlords when they're in a position to own property or be a landlord. So I like to think that it's maybe some people who basically aren't well off and would like society to help them, therefore socialism. Uh, It was also an issue in pre-revolutionary France, but the difference between people who want socialism now and pre-revolutionary France is that people back in the 1700s in France were getting taxed out the wazoo. So they have an excuse for not wanting absentee landlords because uh, they were getting taxed as it was and then they had to pay exorbitant Rents, I can imagine, back in the 1700s in France. We have absolute weight, the next part that has dated in the encyclopedia. Now, it is the weight of a body without other influences. And to achieve this, you need to weigh in a vacuum. So that way you don't have to worry about, say, gravity. Or actually, you do have to worry about gravity if it is going to have a weight, isn't it? Okay, so gravity is okay as an influence, but you can't have other things. I don't know, like dust or... Who knows? I'm not a physicist. Oh, the atmosphere. We can't have the atmosphere. I just read that bit there. Um, But do we really need to have absolute weight? 
Like, do we even need to weigh an object or a body if it's healthy or happy or if it's complaining about being unwell and doing nothing about their weight? Do we need to weigh anything? So, therefore, absolute weight is dated in my eyes in the encyclopedia. We can skip through to... Oh, well, okay, there's Academy of Arts and Letters. To my eye, it doesn't seem like that has dated. I just want to let you know that it exists. Acclimatization. It has been maintained by some scientists that man is an incompetent machine incapable of adaption, but there are many evidences to the contrary among peoples who have spread successfully over many parts of the world from a single source. For example, the Jews, Indians in the West Indies, East Africa and Fiji, British and Dutch colonists, Negroes in the New World. However, such adaptions are not always successful, and diseases, which are comparatively harmless to natives of a country, frequently prove fatal to strangers. For example, malaria and liver complaints, which affect Europeans in the tropics, while lung troubles are common in Africans transferred to uh, colder climates. I feel like that is a bit of a dated entry, but I shouldn't be too surprised, because although it does mention the colonists, British and Dutch, it We've got to remember that this encyclopedia has a layer of racism where the whites are the superior and everybody else is inferior. Uh, so here it mentions the Jews, Indians, Africans, and Negroes in the New World. They were successful races to acclimatize. And I wonder why that is. Oh, possibly because they were displaced for one reason or another. They were maybe moved away because of, I don't know, genocide or slavery or something else. And they were forced to acclimatize because if they didn't force to acclimatize, they would have ended up dead. The British and Dutch colonists, this reminds me of how the English are always cold and they're always hot. And hot is when it gets above 20 degrees Celsius. So they're saying that they it's impossible for humans to acclimatize. It does happen from time to time. In fact, we how far do you want to go back? Humans have been acclimatizing all the way through. I think they just wanted to um, just mention that um, the, the Jews, the Indians, and the black people uh, managed to do it. And I feel like it neglects to mention how or why they, those races managed to do it because they were forced to do it. And from acclimatization to crime. Now, think about what you would do if you could commit a crime and get away with it. It's like it's essentially a question of uh, where people answer, I would murder somebody. What would I do? I probably could have given this a little bit more thought, but something that comes just to the top of my head is how, like, you know how you're not allowed to impersonate a police officer? So maybe I would be a police officer and go around and just, like, tell people off for being inconsiderate. I don't know, for littering or, like, that, you know, you should be walking to the left of the footpath so people who work on the right or on their phone or just be annoying or just, like, write them tickets and that sort of thing. I feel like that's kind of lame, but, like, those people really do annoy me and I feel like I would really be happy about that. I don't see the point of murdering somebody because really you just don't talk to them ever again or something like that. And then you have to dispose of a body and I don't want to be like charged for polluting a waterway or something like that. Anyway, it, this reminds me of how like, I don't know, when we had um, Australia as like the jail for all of England, how 
if you, you can see through documentation that there's a whole lot of men who got sent out to Australia for bestiality, and that's because it was you'd get like seven years for bestiality, and I don't know, like fourteen years for stealing a piece of ribbon. So why wouldn't you just say that you were just trying to have sex with an animal? You would receive less time for trying to bone down with some livestock than you were to steal it, which I just find absurd. Anyway, people would do that. So if you were going to commit one crime in your life, would you do what Frederick Christian Akum did? I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, Akum, A-double-C-U-M. Why would you pronounce it any other way? Well, old mate F.C. Akum, he was arrested for mutilating books. That is it. He was mutilating books. And then he ended up um, leaving England and, um, I don't know, dying a book mutilator. I don't understand why you would mutilate books, especially in England, because it's not like there is like propaganda that you want to get rid of or anything like that. But yeah, Frederick Christian Akam, I feel like he could have done more. And I feel like, would you get arrested for mutilating books these days? Probably not. Because you just buy, you just go onto Amazon and just buy another book. It's like, it's not a big deal anymore. Back in the day, who knows? It obviously was a, an arrestable offence. We can move on to Akuchi, and that's obviously slang for, well, Akuchi. And if you agree, then you would be incorrect because Akuchi is in fact a rodent. So I'm sorry to uh, to let you know. And that, that is that has not dated at all. It's just a fun fact for you. I think I'm going to end on this one here. It's an act of God. And it's where no one can be held accountable for something. A natural disaster is the main culprit here. And this makes me think that God is the first parent to support influencers. You know how these days you have influencers on TikTok and Instagram and they then start a product line and it's like their dad is the only person who is buying that product because it's horrible and you know they're just trying to make a quick buck. So their dad is is bankrolling this business business in inverted commas that this influencer is running because they're very happy like they're well off and they're glad that their child is giving business a go. Well, I feel like God is supporting Jesus in exactly the same way. Because, you know, Jesus, he's been bouncing between a few jobs here and there. Uh, a carpenter, a raconteur, a dinner host, a messiah, a zombie. But he was really just the first influencer. Technology let him down, so it's not the same as today. But he had books. Influencers are writing books these days. He's, he was doing talks. And we're seeing a few people doing stage shows as well. Uh, he had followers before there were likes and, and accounts to follow. He didn't even have to exist for many people to follow. He hasn't been around for 2,000 years. And we do know that he did exist, but he hasn't been around for 2,000 years. And he's still got more likes and followers than the biggest influencers in the world right now. But 
I feel like God, Jesus' dad, is still there trying to help out Jesus. Jesus has been inactive for 2,000 years. What, what, what has he done recently? He would have made all of his money back in his prime, and now he's just binging it away. He's probably in an alleyway with a belt around his arm, a, a couple of prostitutes, around, like cheap prostitutes as well, just surrounding him. And he might not even be like using them, but just hanging out with them between jobs, which, like, there's nothing wrong with being a sex worker, but, you know, just that image of a washed-up star. That's Jesus right now. And I feel like God, his dad, is trying to help him still. And that natural disasters are God's way of helping him. Because influencers these days, they can never give 50 bucks to a homeless person. That homeless person has to appear in the video. We never see a good deed without a camera there. So... All God does is every so often he starts a flood and hopes that Jesus will come along and wash away, or wash away, uh, move the water on. Just click his fingers and that water will go away. Or I guess the best we can hope at this situation, at this stage in Jesus' life, is that he, he turns the, the water into wine to impress an old lady sitting on the roof of her house where her dog is inside the house that's just drowned, and Jesus is just turning that water into rosé and having a good old time. Everyone's having a laugh. Everyone's got their camera out, and the old lady's trying to keep a straight face and trying to be impressed, but her dog has just perished. Anyway, next time you see a natural disaster, a flood or a, a fire, just think of a desperate dad doing all he can to see his child succeed once again in life and just help drag his son out of the cold, dark depths of hell that he's found himself into over time. Let's leave this episode of Dating the Encyclopedia just here. I hope to see you next time. We're going to have to get into a part three because there's still plenty more to go. Uh, so... If you're liking this episode, please follow. Please support Daddy the Encyclopedia. It's zero cost, and it it it, it just keeps me going. Just kind of like without having to, I don't know, get my dad to try to flood a, a town in a poor socioeconomic suburb. Anyway, see you next time.